Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, The Snyder Cut Lives! What did Joe Rogan do to earn $100 million? And is Alternative Radio dead? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football and the Lakers Fast Break. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great broadcasts. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our man who just finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, who loves chimichangas for Pop Culture Cosmos. You gotta check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also as well his great show Topicocalypse, which he's got a lot coming on the way. And also of course his book, Congratulations You Suck, which you can get now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up, what's up? I actually finished Final Fantasy VII while eating chimichangas, so, you know, best of both worlds. What a man right there for you. That's a gamer through and through. We're getting some of our highest numbers of listens ever over the past couple months. I don't know why. It's because everybody's at home, maybe, but maybe they're just getting in more into podcasts. And we'll talk about podcasts here in a sec later on the show when it comes to Joe Rogan because he got a nice chunk of change so we'll talk about that as far as spotify staking its claim on the podcast world over apple Podcasts right now at the moment they're making all the big news so we'll talk about that coming up later in the show also as well we've got noah ian fine he's coming back to talk about the wwe and the last ride for the undertaker he'll talk about that series coming up later in the program as well plus josh and i are going to be talking about k-rock k-r-q and if you're not familiar with them they're I guess one of the most historically influential music stations, radio stations that ever played anywhere in the world because they were really very much behind the British new wave sensation of the 80s, the grunge rock era of the 90s, and so much more, especially on the West Coast of the United States. But we'll talk about their changes in their format and what could happen to them. And also, does this mean alternative radio as a whole is dying out? We'll talk about that scenario coming up in the show as well. But first, my friend, a couple things I want to go ahead and talk about, but none bigger 
The rumors were true all along. The myth, the legend of the Snyder Cut for Justice League. It is a thing, man. And it was a thing all along. As HBO Max announced, well, actually, Zack Snyder himself announced during a live stream of Man of Steel, which actually Henry Cavill kind of stepped into as well. He was talking to him you know, during the course of the actual live watching and whatnot. There was the big announcement that the Snyder Cut, the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League, is a thing, and it's going to be touched up here and there. And they haven't decided yet on whether or not it's going to be a four-hour movie or a six-episode series, because that's how much footage they have. But they are going to debut at some time in 2021 on HBO Max. Now, hold on, my friend. You hear that sound? Do you hear that sound? That's me patting myself on the back because I know someone near and dear to my heart, a.k.a. me, that called that not too long ago. Yes, you did. That was a good call. That was a very good call. I I don't remember what I said. I think I said it would be good as like a... Um video on demand type thing or as like a steelbook edition but that was a very good call so now i'm seeing all these things first of all i have so many questions about this i'm i'm super excited about this so i have so many questions i'll I'll lay out a few of them because i'm gonna start rambling in a second but you know ramble away my friend ramble uh, away yeah i it's it's such i'm so happy about this because one you know, it, it goes to show you that it, it's true, you know, and all the people saying, oh, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. They are just not that movie studios have ever been honest with people. But like that just goes to show that, you know, they weren't being honest with people, Two, I'm so amazed, not amazed, but I'm so stoked to see Zack Snyder back in this universe. I'm curious if he had anything to do. I'm sure he did, but I, I wonder if he had anything to do with the, uh, you know, the roots of this campaign, or if this was something that he saw gain traction, then he gained interest in it, because this might be like, you know, the spark he needed after the, you know, the tragic loss of his daughter to kind of get back into the director's chair. And that was that was the first issue that comes to mind. I mean, there was that. If anybody's looking for the reason why the Justice League was never fulfilling his total vision, I mean, it was the tragic suicide death of his daughter that necessitated him walking away from that project and Joss Whedon taking over and he had so much footage left on the cutting room floor and Joss Whedon came in and I, I think what is the estimate about 20 to 25 percent is what he added in there outside of what Zack Snyder had originally put in there uh, some things were well, changed obviously the digitized mustache removal of Henry Cavill was the most vilified thing that was on there controversial yes uh no so here's what i was actually reading about this that joss whedon's cut was actually recut by warner brothers because the producers thought that it was it was still too edgy you know it wasn't going to to sell enough toys or or you know bringing up kids into the movie theater like a marvel film did so i heard that the joss whedon cut actually got recut which is surprising because this just goes back to what I've been saying all along about Warner Brothers having this issue where their producers can't seem to let the filmmakers do their thing. Marvel does get right time after time. It's just they bring in a voice and they let that voice sound clearly throughout these movies. Warner Brothers seems to have an issue doing that. It seems like it, but you know what? They're now going ahead and I guess seeing the profit in it because they need content. And with HBO Max now a thing that's very close to being on the horizon, I think the end of this month they're start they're going to go ahead and start seeing 
content come the way of HBO Max any second now, you know, with uh, them opening up their channel, making it a thing. They need all the content they can get. And this is something that people have clamored for, they've heard about, and that they've wanted to see because of the, I guess, stark returns of, sorry for the pun there, for the superhero pun, the stark returns of Justice League the original time around because it didn't do so well in box office. And obviously, to a lot of people as well, it was a very much a critical failure. I mean, I thought it was eh, okay. But even Rob has persecuted me. He's he's ribbed me more than one time about my thoughts on it because everybody else thinks it's it's trash. I thought it was eh. But again, I'm excited to see what could take place in a Snyder Cut and a true realization from the director, the original director, on what this Justice League series could be all about. Does Rob like it or does he dislike it? Oh, he dislikes it with a passion. Absolutely with a passion. He ribbed me on the air on a previous episode way back when for minutes nonstop on me thinking that it was even an average movie. Yeah, well, I mean, Rob's very opinionated about films. That, that he is. As, as we know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's kind of like you uh, ribbing me about King Arthur, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trash. <laughs> uh, yeah, karma. It comes back around. Yes, Anyways, <laughs> though, uh, Snyder Cut. Okay, I'm just going to go off on my plethora of questions here. Are you ready? I might give you time to answer. I'm just uh, you know, <laughs> like that. You might give me time to answer. <laughs> Raise your hand, you know, if you need to interrupt me. No, you're good interrupt me however you want to okay my first question to you is do you think that this is going to be a reigniting of the dc film universe because if this ends up being really good do you think they will continue on with the planned trilogy of justice league movies that's exactly what i was going to ask you and that's something that i would hope if it's good enough and that's what i'm saying out there to everybody if it's good enough I had already said, and we've had these conversations before, where I was hoping that they would continue with the extended universe because I like those stories upon stories. Sure, it's comping Marvel. But then again, when you have a good foundation, you see that what they're doing, try to make it better. Try to take that and take it to another level instead of having all these separated stories when we know from the comic books they're all together in one form or fashion instead of trying to go ahead and still continuously piece that out, try to build something together for a common goal and still have your have your separate stories. That, to me, would be the best way to go ahead and celebrate the DC Comics lineup, personally, for lack of a better term. So I would hope, personally, that it would lead to something like that. I know some of the uh, experts that are out there and some of the analysts that are out there are not expecting this to revive a Justice League trilogy, I personally hope otherwise because if there are big numbers for it, my friend, I can tell you for a fact that HBO, now that they're bringing out the Snyder Cut, will look into it most assuredly. Oh, I, I hope so. And here, analysts, when it comes to superhero movies, they have never been right about anything. You know, they, they don't know. This is the most underestimated audience are for superhero movies. You can never know what these fans want. It's like watching a Star Wars. It's like seeing the... Uh, debate over the last jedi right there's there's you don't know what people want my hope here would be that yes they would revitalize the justice league like give us the trilogy obviously ben affleck wouldn't come back unless this was so good that it coaxed him back into the the part somehow but and they will need additional footage let's get that clear and, yeah hbo max is giving uh Warner brothers aka you know why they're war 20, where 20, 20 to 30 million, million yeah something like that yeah 
So that was actually my next thing. But let me finish this this point real quick. Is that look at Batman. Everyone's saying they don't expect this to make a big thing, right? But look at Batman versus Superman, right? In theaters, that movie was awful. But then you saw the director's cut on, you know, when it came out, the Zack Snyder's director cut. And it did have an extra like 45 minutes of footage in it. But that changed the whole tone and, and mood of the film. You know, it made it go from something that I did not enjoy to something that I, I did enjoy. Let me ask you this real quick. Lord of the Rings, do you like the extended cuts or the regular cuts? Because personally, I have gotten more involved and more invested in the extended cuts. Yes, I truly liked and enjoyed the originals. That's why I really got into the movies. But the extended cuts, to me, fleshed it out. And it was really done even and even made it a better experience for me. Oh, I, I totally agree. With Lord of the Rings, I like both cuts. I was enamored both times I saw that movie. But with Lord of the Rings... It was something that I loved so much, and I had seen the original cuts so many times that watching the extended cuts was it was enjoyable for me. Like Lord of the Rings is is I guess different from the DCU and the fact that like it it sucks you into this world. Like you live in Middle Earth for the what nine to ten hours that these films go on, you know, which I guess is not the same as as the DC universe because you feel very disconnected. But with Lord of the Rings. I remember sitting there loving to kind of pick out everything that was not in the original movie. You know, it's like the first time you saw the uh, the recut Star Wars films, right, with the Jabba the Hutt and the and the Hangar. And I know those aren't like really favored that much, but I mean, if you are so involved in a world that you can sit there and pick out all the parts added into it without like reading anything on the internet, then you know that you did a good job of creating a world that people truly enjoy. Will the Snyder Cut accomplish that? Who who knows? You know, like I, it, Justice League has kind of been frowned upon. I don't think anyone's watched it more than twice. So, you know, if it truly is a game changer, then that is saying a lot. You know, it's saying a lot that people go in there and say like, oh, that wasn't in the original film or like that really added layers to it. Like that is saying a lot about Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. And granted, he doesn't have the best history. He's he's. It's a you know he has his lemons, but he also has done some pretty great things too. About the reshoots, right? Like, I I mean I don't know what you think, but I've been reading things where they're saying that the actors have actually all said they would come back for reshoots. Oh, I'm you sure know, they will. Like, even even Batfleck, I think. Yeah, even even Ben Affleck, like he they've talked to him about about it, and um you know Jason Momoa has said he'd be down. Henry Cavill said he'd be down. Like this could be, this could be big. You know, this could be Gal Gadot that, on her Twitter and Instagram has said that. Yeah, this could be something that truly revitalizes the DCU. And I know I might be getting overexcited about this, but I mean, I feel like this is a good thing to get excited about. This is a good thing to get excited about. And yes, my friend, I mean, they could plan it out like a series. They could do the movies. Here's the deal. I got, I'm coming up with another brainstorm, my friend. They could do the movies, the singular movies like the Wonder Woman's and the Aquaman's and bring back the Man of Steel's and all that on the big screen. And then it could culminate into another six episode series every once every two years. We're not expecting, you know, two or three years. How about that? Two or three years. Instead of having the Avengers type movies on the big screen as well culminate that with a justice league type series six episode eight episode what have you on hbo max to make it even more special kind of like the reverse that marvel's doing in integrating disney plus and the big screen 
Oh, I agree with that. Like, that could be big. I don't see Warner Brothers have Gerald's had a brainstorm. I don't see Warner Brothers having the uh, self-restraint to do something like that. You know, especially since we've seen, like, how the these superhero properties, then they're just cash cows. You know, the, it, that that's how they have been treated. So I don't know if they have the self-restraint to not try to make a billion dollars off of a film. You know, I would love to see that. And, I mean... I'd be down to see HBO like adapt some of the smaller characters and maybe have them meet on screen and all that stuff. But like I, yes, I I would love to see Justice League series to an- to answer your question. But like I don't see Warner Brothers being restrained enough to do something like that. Well, if this goes well, that's something they should consider, because if it strikes and it strikes well in 2021, the Justice League series or extra extended movie. I personally think it should go to a series because that's all we're used to on streaming these days. I mean, it is so much more of a platform for a series. Even with The Last Dance, with the Michael Jordan stuff that you saw on ESPN, for that, as far as The Last Dance series. So you're talking about something that we're seeing all the time now with Stranger Things and so many other series. Tiger King, for instance, on Netflix, is a docuseries that took place that was over the course of uh, several episodes. We're seeing things now. Mandalorian was such a huge, huge success. And they're talking about now putting some of that onto the big screen. That would be great for me as far as either which way. But you and I both, the best thing that would be coming out of this for both of us is an extension of the DCEU and making it something of a universe once again, which is something you and I are hoping for because, and have always hoped for, because simply that with Aquaman and Wonder Woman great hits fun stories liked them both enjoyed good time I know people got on you because you said you liked it and you didn't love Wonder Woman but you still enjoyed it and the thing is I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 84 I'm looking forward to Aquaman 2 I'm looking forward to the Flash and, and other movies like that on the big screen but to see it all play out into a combined story where all these great forces get to work together for a common goal, to me, is probably the best part about it. I mean, that's what I enjoyed so much about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it was leading towards a common goal, leading towards a common enemy that they were all fighting together. Whether it's Dark Side or not, you know, you can have your comparisons for and against Thanos if, he, if he's tough or he's not tough. I've heard that all the past week and that, you know, it is what it is, but... I'm just saying there's if there's a common goal that they all work towards and they all get together, it has a these these separate movies have a purpose other than just being there on the screen once again. Because right now, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman eighty four, they're just there. They don't serve a purpose unless you're having a common goal at the end for all of them to combine their forces together. Yeah, and let's be honest though, like the you know, making a superhero series like that is the way to go because you you get extended storytelling you can do things you couldn't do otherwise on the big screen you know you there's so many restraints putting something on the big screen but if you were to give these these superheroes shows like an hbo show or whatever it might be it could bring them that much closer to being just like the comic books well we'll have to wait and see what happens but it is a thing it is a reality and is something that's going to be coming to hbo max in the year 2021 so looking forward to it i know josh is as well and that is justice league the snyder cut 
where it is the true original vision of whatever Zack Snyder had or has now for the Justice League. There is going to be some reshoots. There is going to be 20 to $30 million added on to it. So people need to go ahead and be excited once again for the DC Universe because the Zack Snyder Cut lives and it's going to be something on HBO Max coming next year. What are your thoughts out there on Justice League, the Snyder Cut? Are you as excited as we are for Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and, and that it's now a thing and a reality as it was rumored to be all along? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And please let us know also in the comments if you'd love to see this evolve once again into an extended universe with an overarching story like they were trying to do not too long ago. Coming up next, it's our good friend Noah Ian Fine from Hunnequeen. He's going to be talking about their version of The Last Dance and it's the last ride for The Undertaker. He's going to talk about that docuseries coming up right after the break. And then after that, Josh and I are going to talk about our choices for the top movie characters that we have. Let's just say top five, Josh. Let's say it's top five. We're going to talk about also Spotify making its mark in the podcast world and declaring war on Apple Podcasts and as Alternative Radio Dead. We're going to talk about all that and more coming up on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. He's back again talking some WWE is my good friend. You got to catch him today on Hunnic Outcast. You go ahead and find that on Facebook today. Hunnic Outcast, it's a great place to be for a nice group talking all the stuff that's going on in pop culture. We're going to talk a little bit about The Undertaker. Oh, uh, Undertaker. Oh, God, I, I've been to a couple of events where I saw him, so it was awesome. Go. Nothing there beats seeing him live. Yes. Well, nothing beats seeing him alive, indeed. You might not see him alive much longer in the yeah. WWE, but we'll talk about that here in a sec. It's Noah Ian Fine, and Noah, just great to have you back on the show. Uh, as always. But one thing they are watching, whether it's on Fox, when they show Undertaker specials and whatnot, but yes. it is The Undertaker. They're doing a series, a docu-series, because guess what? Everything has got to go ahead and be a docu-series right now when it concerns the, these greats of all time. And as we're seeing with The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, we're seeing The Last Ride with The Undertaker, who, you know, actually, I want to ask you this, Noah. Didn't he, a couple years back or a few years back at WrestleMania, put his boots in the ring as the, which what is supposed to be in professional wrestling, the the sign that you're actually giving it up and you're actually retiring. Didn't he put his boots in the ring back? You know, there, there's there? a drinking game, I think, with uh, Terry Funk that every yes, five minutes. You know what it is? Because I'll, I'll reference Kill Bill. The number one killer right now is retirement. And what would Undertaker – he's 55 now. What could he really – I mean, he could open up a school. He can continue to train. What I salivated over these new documentaries now is that – they started to work on them because uh, with Keyfabe and Blob Onion and what have you, that's great. But what I appreciate about these documentaries now is that we're going to see 
this five part history with Undertaker, especially when he went against Roman Reigns. And he's talked about it now, saying that he had issues with losing to Rome. I mean, there, there was always this talk about the streak. Nobody really paid attention to it, I think, until um, Shawn Michaels brought it up at WrestleMania 25 and 26. But losing to Brock, I mean, there's always been this talk, who could beat Undertaker for the streak? A lot of people thought it would be Cena. A lot of people thought it would be Orton. A lot of people thought it was going to be um, AJ. I mean, who was worthy of breaking the streak at WrestleMania? And it's been broken a couple times. It's been broken by Brock, and it was... It was broken by Roman, which people booed him out of the because they just don't like him for reasons, and you know we'll never get a reason why. But watching this documentary was fascinating because he's becoming more like a Texas father than the Undertaker, and and I can understand that this is going to have to be a five-hour, six-hour, you know, documentary. And I think the part two is coming in a couple weeks. But I really would like to see the story of when he first came in. Because he talked about that on, on Stone Cold's Broken Skulls podcast, when he came in Survivor Series 1990. And I saw him live, you know, going against Warrior. But I really want to hear about when he first won the belt in 91 against Hogan and why he had to depart with it a few days later, Tuesday in Texas. Because there were talks about that. Here, you know... He did a gimmick that lasted decades that nobody got sick of. They People complained that he went to Biker Taker and went back to Undertaker again, thank God. But this is going to be one of the more interesting documentaries about everything you want to know because he is human after all and how he got away with still doing the supernatural stuff, how he worked with Paul Bearer before, sadly, Paul passed away, how he worked with Kane, and – I do appreciate that this documentary really shows that he's put his body through a lot. He can't do what he used to do, which is walk on the tightrope while holding the guy's hand and jumping down. He can't do that anymore. But yeah, every time now that he does a WrestleMania, that entire year that he's not there, he's in rehab getting ready for the next WrestleMania. And I think that fans don't appreciate that because now they're kind of like, well, shouldn't he retire? And he doesn't want to because what else is he really going to do? I can't see him doing commentary. That that would just be too awkward. I, I, I can't see him sitting with Cole or you know, or whoever is doing the commentary now on, on, on the shows. So what else can the man do? He's, he's probably going to be like Vince. He's probably going to be 75 years old and still wrestling. But he is an icon. He is a legend. His matches, sadly, because he's put his body through so much. But, God, there would be hours on end about probably his best matches, his worst matches. I can't wait to see what he says about Giant Gonzalez and King Kong Bundy. That 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 that's gonna be that's gonna be also entertaining about how he had to do that feud from the late nineties. But past all of it, though, man, he has put his body through. A lot, and I'm talking even the buried alive, because they'll never discuss how it happened. But he, you know, there was an oxygen tank, of course. But I, I really want to hear everything that we can on this guy because they're not making superstars like this anymore. That this this was just at a pure dumb luck, and Vince didn't want him at the time. 
He wanted the other skyscraper. He wanted to sit justice, and we all know what happened with that. So I'm kind of curious now what his last dance will be. Because I, I, I think the other problem, too, is that that Roman Reigns match, no, people not only didn't want to see it as the last match, it wasn't that entertaining of a match. I, I really, the only thing I recall was him just putting away the boots and every, and that was it. I think, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on and on about his matches, but I don't know what his last one's really going to be. I don't know who else is, I mean, he, he's fought Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. He's fought John Cena a couple times. I don't think he's fought Braun Strowman. But I don't know what kind of chemistry. That's the other thing, too, is that it depends on what chemistry they're going to have on the ring. And he's had a couple bad matches because there wasn't chemistry with a lot of guys. He didn't have chemistry with Kamala. I, I would just, you know, if it's going back to L.A. and if it does happen and come to fruition next year in 2021, finish his last match with The Rock. Just appreciate your time and thank you so much again. Any last thoughts on the WWE before we head on out? Well, the last thing I'm going to say is is that I don't think it's time to take the horse behind the bar and shoot it. I, I want to make that crystal clear. I just think that with an audience, with the pops, I really think that they they have to really sit back and decide who's the champion and why and who has chemistry with who in the ring. And if you ever have a chance, if you've been watching those Vice Dark Side of the Ring shows, uh, recently they've had the Legion of Doom, which is an interesting watch, and the season finale of Owen Hart. I do have an Owen Hart story because I met him. So, but I'm going to save that story. But other than that, though, and I know they're they're getting rid of the WWE 2K games and doing something. Well, they're oh, they're doing a different game, a cartoony game called WWE Battlegrounds. Yeah. The, the, because of the extremely poor reception, because it's been handed to a new studio for the last WWE 2K and they did such a poor job on it. The reviews were awful and the glitches were everywhere. They're giving them a year off essentially to get their act together. Mm. So we're going to wait and see what the WWE 2K comes out when it comes out in 2K in 2021. So that that's looks like it will happen, but whether or not it will be good or any better than WWE 2K20, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Cause that, like I said, the last one was just pretty, pretty porous at best. But yes, they're doing WWE Battlegrounds right now. That's going to be a, something that's done in more cartoony, like similar to what they've done on their mobile work. So I, I don't consider it a full game release, but it's something I think that's going to like be a little Band-Aid for those looking for their next wrestling video game. Well, we'll see. But again, Gerald, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks so much, my friend, for being a part of the pop culture cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. (laughs) 
And we're back once again for the back half of the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. My friend, wanted to go ahead and give a big shout out to Bill Lemon. This has been a great part of our show as far as one of our biggest fans sends us letters as far as stuff that he likes to hear about and stuff that we talk about on the show. So I cannot thank Bill Lemon enough for going ahead and sending us those emails to popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. One of the things that he talked about on a recent episode of ours was that we were talking about our favorite movie franchises. But he wanted us to talk about a little bit more about some of the things that he was uh, looking at when it comes to favorite movie characters. So that's something he was talking about quite a bit. And I cannot thank him enough for sharing those thoughts with us. But I wanted to ask you real quick, that brings to mind our favorite movie characters. So if you had a top five, you had a top five of top five movie characters that you love seeing on screen, who are they? Who? Okay. All right. This is going to be a tough one here. Uh, do they have to be in any particular order? No, let's just keep them in not one to five, anything like that. Just, just random order. Just random order. Okay, and these are movie characters, correct? Yes, movie characters. Okay. Okay, here are mine. This first one's a duo, so I think they come as, as one character because they're always attached in name. Jane, Silent Bob. I love that they have in, endured the years and people still really enjoy anything they're in. Like, I look at the way Kevin Smith did the Jane Silent Bob reboot and how even with such like a, a very, very small budget, it still people still supported that film so much. And Kevin Smith has done so much for so many people. And like those characters are truly lovable, you know, as dirty and foul mouthed as as uh, as they can be. Okay, another one I like is Riddick. Vin Diesel doesn't seem to live outside the Fast and the Furious series, but I do really like his character of Richard B. Riddick. There's just there's something about uh, I don't know. There's something about his character that makes you like you can watch it in a way that makes you feel like you know he's he thinks he's gonna be he's gonna, he thinks he's gonna be able to you know jump off that cliff and land in the cockpit of a spaceship. So I believe he's gonna be able to do it. So. Uh, I I do like that character. I really love um, O'Connor. O'Connor is that his name in the Mummy? Brendan Fraser. I really really like that character. I like I like his character so much that I have followed him through all of the Mummy films, including the third one. Of course, who doesn't love Bill Paxton's character in Aliens? You know that's one that always always sticks out to me. And then the final character. This is tough. This is tough. Orlando Bloom in Kingdom of Heaven. There's something about having somebody who is looking for their place in the world, looking, searching for what life means, searching for God, if you will. Like there's something about that that is so relatable. And they, Ridley Scott did such a great job of bringing that theological and philosophical search to life. He embodied it in Orlando Bloom's character so well that it's hard not to watch that film and just feel the things that he is feeling those are my five what are yours hmm that's a good list so far my friend a lot of those things emulate from some of your most favorite movies as well i think right correct all right well i'll tell you what my list uh, hopefully is somewhere near the quality of yours uh, i'm going to start off with a fun one again this is not number one and number five this is just uh you know some of the favorite movie characters right off the top of my head uh, i'm going to go with die hard bruce willis john mcclain Always seems to get himself into a whole world of trouble, but finds the most creative ways to get himself out of that trouble. And I'm still hoping 
I know he's in the 60s. I get that. I understand that. But I'm still hoping that he's going to be given a chance to close out the series. I don't think it closed out effectively the last time around. I know there was something in development as far as a Die Hard, I want to say 6. I think we're up to Die Hard 6. It was uh, it was an origin film, the origins of John McClane. So I don't know if Bruce Willis was going to be in that one, but it, I know it was something that like talked about his younger self. So in other words, essentially a reboot. Yeah, it was a, I guess you can call it a reboot. I don't know how many people would be happy about seeing that part played by somebody else. I, I don't mind a reboot at some point in time. But I'd like to see one more with him close out, uh, personally. One more with him, finality, just... You know, he goes through one more time. I think he could still be up for it. I think he could still do it. Uh, you know, we see Liam Neeson in his 60s still doing it. So, you know, I, uh, I think he could still do it and have a lot of fun doing it. I think if it's done right, I think it could be something that still could garner money at the box office. And then you have Harrison Ford. Which Harrison Ford do you want? Do you want Indiana Jones? Do you want Han Solo? Do you want Rick Deckard? I mean, any of those iconic movies for me were essentially because he was just such a charismatic hero in those movies i guess of them you could probably say han solo that's probably my favorite character of his yeah well De- i mean han solo and indiana jones were kind of the same character i think deckard of all the ones you mentioned like deckard was the one with the most depth number three for me is james bond 007 i mean how more iconic of a figure can you get it's just dependent on who james bond do you like the best i mean this is another thing i could go with rob mccallum who if all goes well will hopefully have scheduled here coming up on a future episode in the not too distant future it's something that rob and i have gone back and forth on he's a big admirer of the james bond series and i've seen all the uh, movies as well so i'm a big admirer of it also on your favorite James Bond. Uh, is it Sean Connery? For me, it's Sean Connery or Pierce Brosnan has been very high up on my list. I'm a big Pierce Brosnan fan ever since he'd started with Remington Steel ba- uh, series back in the 80s. So I, I mean, I'm a big fan of those guys. And, you know, Daniel Craig, he's done a whale of a job on the back end of his movies. I didn't think he got off to the greatest start, but I think he's done well in the past two films, especially Skyfall, which was such a big hit and the biggest James Bond movie of all time. So I think his character would be somebody that I would like to say is probably one of my favorite characters as well. Let's go with one that's also very familiar with people on screen for television. And let's go with Spock and Kirk. Kirk and Spock have been very good on both a TV and also a movie format in both the younger and older dynamics, both with William Shatner and the late Leonard Nimoy. And then now you have Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. I think both of those movies, those those that relationship, those series, those series of movies, the best thing about them is the relationship between Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine and, of course, Leonard Nimoy and Bill Shatner. That's pretty much what a centered on. Yes, they have all the adventures and all the things of that nature, but it's always sending ultimately around those two individuals, Spock and Kirk. When it comes to those movies, I think that's why Beyond didn't do so as well, because I think it didn't spend a great deal of time with those two being on screen at the same time. I think that's why the movie faltered, in my opinion. I think the first two movies of the reboot were a much bigger success because of the the way those two interacted with each other. 
And anytime I see those two on screen, I think it's a great deal for me. Whether or not we see a Star Trek movie again anytime in the not-too-distant future, I'm not sure. They might reboot it again because Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto at some point in time are going to say, you know what, we don't want to do anymore. You know the uh, negotiations on Star Trek Four has already fallen uh, by the wayside once already. So we'll never know if we get it restarted. Quentin Tarantino's movie, that, that also, Star Trek, that also seems to have fizzled. So, you know, at this point, we're not sure where the Star Trek series is as far as the big screen. Now, on the small screen, it seems to be flourishing because you have Picard, you have Star Trek Discovery, and you have a brand new series that was just announced for, I think, CBS All Access as well. And that is a Star Trek series from the popular characters that were on Star Trek Discovery in Spock, Captain Pike, and number one. Those three individuals are going to be heading up their own series, which is going to be in the timeline, supposed to be a predecessor to what you see as far as the Enterprise that everybody now knows, either in the original series or in the movies. So that will be taking place coming up in the near future. So I'm glad to hear that as well. I'm I'm hopeful for that series because they seemed like very charismatic characters that I enjoyed watching in Star Trek Discovery. So I'm looking forward to that. And last but not least is Lord of the Rings. But it's not Frodo, my friend. It's Samwise. Samwise Ganji. Samwise is probably my favorite character. And the true, the true hero of the Lord of the Rings. Samwise is like that character that every group of friends, or he's he's the friend that every group has that is the honest one, and because of that, he always pays for it because all the friends who are like backstabbers are always constantly talking crap about him, and he's just kind of doing his own thing, and anytime he points out a fault, the, the everyone goes, geez, you know, so-and-so is right about you. That That's Samwise right there. Well, it's just, you know, he never got his total respect. And everybody was saying, Frodo, Frodo, like in the movie, like Mordor, the towers coming down and the rings was already thrown in there by total accident in both the book and the movie, by the way. It's total accident that the ring fell into Mount Doom. You and I both know this. You know, I understand Frodo brought it there 99.9999999% of the way. But Samwise Ganji, he was there every step of the way his heart was pure through the entire process he didn't go evil like frodo did at the very end and yet everybody is chanting frodo 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 and crying frodo 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 when he thought he was dead where's the love for samwise you know where where's the love for sam where is it man where is it you know i'll i'll be honest like I can watch all the Samwise stuff through the first movie, but like I don't do well with awkward drama. That's why I can't watch Dinner, Dinner for Schmucks <laughs> all the way through. But I fast forward a lot of the parts with Sam and Frodo in the two towers that's because some I of just the best. I can't. that's some of the best. Man. I know, I know, but I just I can't do it because like I have encountered people just like Smeagol, like my entire you know through my entire life of having friends. Like I've encountered people like that, and I just I can't. It frustrates me. Because I can't, as someone watching a movie behind a screen, I can't do anything about it. Yes, it's that close relationship, which I don't think you really have in the Hobbit movies. I think it, at this point, people love the Lord of the Rings movies more and will last longer in the world's opinion, in the mind's eye and all that because of the relationship and the big battles, but the relationship of Samwise and Frodo. But Samwise is, is also one of my favorite characters as well, so... 
But yes, those are some of our favorite movie characters. There's so many more to talk about. I'll tell you what, out there, if you have any thoughts on your favorite movie characters, like our good friend Bill Lemon, who sent us those nice letters and sent those nice emails, please go ahead and let us know your favorite movie characters. In fact, we'll go ahead and read them on the air. We're going to go ahead next week, and I'll tell you what, I'll take some time to read Bill Lemon's thoughts if you go ahead and send yours as well, and we'll we'll put it all together in a nice bunch and, and see what everybody thinks. So if you get a chance, please send us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, I wanted to ask you, you heard the news about Joe Rogan. Chunk of change, my friend, chunk of change. $100 million for his podcast to become an exclusive podcast to Spotify coming up later this year. He won't have his full episodes on YouTube. He won't have his full episodes on Apple Podcasts. So by 2021, the only place you'll really be able to listen to it is on Spotify. So I ask you, my friend, this is a big deal. Plus Spotify, not only that, they've also reached out and purchased The Ringer from Bill Simmons and put a lot of their shows exclusive to that platform. Of course, our show can be found on spotify and apple Podcasts for the time being we're waiting for that check as well spotify we're a little bit cheaper but anyways this to me is a big maneuver by spotify taking one of the top 10 podcasts on the planet and it has been for some time your thoughts on spotify getting the joe rogan experience and also staking its claim firmly firmly in its war and its current battle with Apple Podcasts. I was actually kind of surprised to hear about that because Joe Rogan is somebody who's always been, you know, though he's talked to these big CEOs, he's always been anti-politics, stuff like that. But he's kind of like more and more lately, he's been stepping into politics. He's been stepping into corporate talk, you know. And, Nobody's and, yeah, anti-money, man. Yeah, money, exactly, money, money. exactly. I have principles, but my principles are valued at so many zeros. You know, like that's, I feel like that's... Good to know, man. Good to know. Joe Rogan. But this also comes with a a big question here is, is that contract he signed, is that going to dictate content? You know, that's the beauty of podcasts. You know, one, anybody can make them. And two, you you don't get censored unless you're, you know, trying to talk about... uh, things that facebook doesn't really like you talking about you can't get censored right so you know joe rogan signing on with spotify is a um you know it, it is cool but i mean i'm just curious like where that's going to lead and also you know the whole war between apple and uh and spotify here i i feel like spotify is is you know they are better to, to people who are signed up with them than apple is right because like if you sell a song on itunes you don't make nearly as much money as somebody who sells a song on Spotify. Like there's more Spotify has more entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like you can, you know, you can go on to Spotify and you can, 
you know, do make make money off of it. Whereas, you know, Apple is so locked up in corporate stuff and like even their podcast app, it's so far buried on people's phones, like you don't even know it exists. And that's funny because again, a lot of people use podcast catchers. I mean, I use Bullhorn for all my Apple podcast stuff that I don't use Apple podcasts because I don't have an Apple phone. I use Bullhorn, have been using it for a long time. And that's something that gets all the Apple podcasts. And it's basically like so many other podcast catchers that are out there. They just grab it from Apple podcasts. But when it comes to your overall numbers, Spotify is gaining fast on Apple. I mean, Apple recently announced that they went over a, what, a million different podcasts have been published on the Apple Podcast platform. And then about two, three weeks later, Spotify said they did the same thing. And Spotify has had a less, you know, a shorter time frame, a much shorter time frame in doing that. Now, part of the reason is because they bought Anchor. And they've been pushing Anchor like crazy. And Anchor is a free platform out there for anybody that wants to host their podcast. And we host our podcast pop culture cosmos the lakers fast break and inside sports fantasy football we host platforms on anchor which makes it very convenient for us and the fact that spotify owns them has helped drive those numbers up as well so we have the situation where they're trying to go on the low end and and make it cheap and 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 inexpensive for everybody to publish podcasts but they're also going on the high end and dishing out a lot of money a lot of serious money because it's not just the ringer and the Joe Rogan experience that they're dishing out and paying out these checks for. And they've been giving these checks to other podcasts as well. They're not just the only ones. There's been quite a few more that are just becoming Spotify exclusives. And if that's the case, all these high profile podcasts will be migrating over there for exclusive platforms. Either Spotify is going to run out of money or Spotify is going to end up being the number one entity around the world in podcasting. I don't see that being a problem, especially since Spotify works with more aggregate sites, not aggregate sites, but, you know, podcast collectors than than Apple will. You know, Apple is trying to get everybody onto their platform instead of going through other sites. And that Spotify is more willing to work with people. And because of that, I think Spotify will end up being bigger. They're following a Netflix model, it seems like. It seems yeah. like they're, you know, they're throwing out the cash, 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 cash. So it seems like they're throwing out the cast like Netflix does for movies and for actors. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's true. Spotify has birthed quite a few stars, whereas iTunes, you don't really, there's not really a lot of incentive for exclusively on there. But we'll have to wait and see what this leads to with the big acquisition of the Joe Rogan experience. And if it leads to even more acquisitions that are going to be made by Spotify in their current battle against Apple Podcasts to become the preeminent podcast outlet. And it looks more and more with each passing day that Spotify is getting there. I mean, it's got a ton of stuff that's already exclusive to the channel that a lot of people are interested in. So that they may be coming sooner rather than later that we'll be calling Spotify the number one brand for podcasts around the world. What are your thoughts out there on the ongoing battle with Spotify and Apple Podcasts? And what are your thoughts on The Ringer and now the Joe Rogan experience heading as an exclusive platform for Spotify? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I know if you're listening to us as a podcast, you got to know about all these shows that they're doing, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We want to go ahead and thank Noah Ian Fine for stopping by on the show. Cannot thank him enough for 
telling us more about the last ride for The Undertaker, the new docuseries that's on the WWE Network. But before we head on out, my friend, a little thing for us music lovers out there. And that's something as far as also from a historical standpoint. A recent article that Variety reported on, K-Rock, K-R-Q, based out of Los Angeles, considered to be one of the most influential radio stations in music history because they've done so much for alternative music. Basically, like I was saying earlier in the show, that they were very responsible for heading the, the charge for the British new wave scene in the 80s that culminated with U2, Duran Duran, the Rhythmics, so many different alternative groups that first got their start being played on stations like K-Rock. And then in the 90s, groups that you are familiar with from the grunge rock scene, they came in the Seattle sound. Yes, a lot of them were played in Seattle first, but quickly caught on into a nationwide audience based off of their play on K-Rock. Well, what's happened recently is that K-Rock has had some issues with their long-standing morning show, Kevin and Bean, where they've disbanded that and one of the members retired and the other they just recently let go. But also as well, they've had a format change. They're tweaking it to a bit where they're adding more and more pop songs that aren't considered alternative music into the mix, which has caused some type of fervor with fans of the station or longtime listeners or people that have grown up with K-Rock. They're listening to it now. It's like, hey, this sounds like the local Top 40 station and a lot less of like the alternative radio station that was cutting edge that it once knew. So it leads all into this question, my friend. Is alternative radio and alternative music dying a slow death? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and here's a big thing, too. No one really makes alternative music anymore. Like, you listen to a lot of the bands that came up in the 90s, Incubus even, like, they're all switching to the electronic sound. So alternative, there's not really a lot of alternative rock anymore. You still have bands, you know, making things that are trying to cling to that decade, though. You know, you have your Corn and your and Stained and, the, you know, those, those new metal bands. And then you have uh, Pearl Jam still hanging in there. Candlebox is still trying to do things like they did in the 90s, but you, you don't have a lot of rock. You know, like I, I listened a couple months ago, I listened to Theory of a Dead Man. That was a band that K-Rock used to play all the time, and there's no guitars in their music anymore. You know, even go to a band like, uh, you know, you want to go to kind of a more uh, metal scene. You had Bring Me the Horizon. They were a band who became famous for you know songs like shadow moses and they went from that sound to a total electronic pop sound with their new album and their new their their single that came out a couple years ago called medicine like people don't make alternative rock anymore and that might be what's going on behind the scenes at k-rock and one of the factors but i also know that the guy that they brought into k-rock he's caused at least two other radio stations to close you know why he got the job i don't know but even like there's a lot of people who have said a lot of really poor things about him he has let go so many people that have been with k-rock for years you know so i wouldn't be surprised if he was part of the reason that being left kevin didn't have a lot of great things to say about him. he left let the whole cast of that show go so k-rock is not k-rock anymore and they probably are going to lose a lot of listeners because of this new format change you know even though they played the same Green Day, My Chemical Romance, all those songs over and over again, like they had an audience. Kevin and Bean had an audience. There's not a lot of stations playing alternative rock. I think we won't be hearing it on the radio for very much longer. It's something that's going to be 
maybe on the way out. And that's a shame because alternative radio over the past 40 years has been a great part of our culture, a great part of the way we go ahead and listen to music. Uh, you know, it helps broaden the horizons, whether you're hip-hop, rap, soul, classical, country, heavy metal, doesn't matter. You know, there, there's just that kind of blend for everybody. And to have that available on the internet, radio is, is awesome. I mean, then again, like I said, for over-the-air stations playing alternative music, the days could very well be numbered. Yeah, I agree. And that that's really sad. You know, there was a day when, like, you think about movies like Empire Records or, or like, the, the days when the radio first started playing punk rock and everyone's getting mad. And, you know, pirate radio stations that used to float out in bays because, you know, the big companies wouldn't play edgy music like that that is totally gone the uh radio stations now that used to represent that have all become corporate mainstays you know they're they're all they care about is making money and that's a that's not what music is about and because of that kind of attitude is not casting a good light on that industry in general you know and this is why companies like spotify are going to be huge they're going to be big because they are allowing people who can't make it onto the radio people with great great material great voices great music they're allowing them a platform to rise on and radio stations just don't do that anymore because all they care about is making money and that's that's the case when all comes down to it they're they're making money but you know if we get a contract from iHeartRadio one of these magical days or a contract from Spotify knocking on the door oh wait that's, that might be them right now. I'm just going to say this, my friend. You know, for for smaller entities like us, some things like that are too hard to pass up. Yeah, I agree. And that's why it's always, you know, you always got to examine that fine line between, you know, making money and selling your soul. And, you know, that's, I guess, what we're asking about Joe Rogan. But, you know, even if someone were to say, hey, we'll buy the pop culture cosmos for a million dollars, but you have to make the content that we want you to make. I don't know how well that would sit with me in terms of like wanting to devote more more years into the process. What about a hundred million? I mean, then I might be for sale. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I need, I I need to have at least nine zeros. You know what I mean? Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. What are your thoughts out there on alternative radio and alternative radio music? It's a dying thing, at least over the air, that is. So do you still want to hear it on your AM and FM stations? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, Josh, I know you're going to be off the next couple episodes. You're going to be working on some things behind the scenes. I just want to say to you, my friend, while you're doing so, stay safe. When you get back... Please remind me, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the things that are seeing a big bonus, a big bump, like internet, radio, sports card trading, arcade one-up, gaming as a whole, and many of the other things that are becoming more popular in the age of coronavirus as people are staying home a lot more often. I want to hear your thoughts on that. So when you get back, I want you to do a little bit of studying up and seeing the things that people are doing that are working, that are being successful instead of just always the, the darker side of what's going on. And there's some real troubling things that are going on. But hopefully you and I can talk about some of the good things that people are taking advantage of at this time as well. Yeah, of course. I'd be more than happy to. Well, safe travels to you, my friend. All the best of health. 
continued health and thanks so much to everyone out there for watching thanks so much everybody out there for listening continued health and happiness to you in this time of pandemic and all that please stay safe please stay healthy and we wish you all the best right here from the pop culture cosmos so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the p c c multiverse we thank you for listening And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. podcast people join us every week on the flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics music saturday morning cartoons old movies and tv shows and chickens it'll be our little secret find us at flopcast.net and on the eso network You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.